G'day there, Signets and Swanlings. 2012 Premiership player Nick Smith here. It's my pleasure, as always, to introduce a bevy of bloods, a fan podcast of the Sydney Swans Football Club, brought to you by Noddy and Steve-O, a pair of red and white tragics. So pop on the kettle and settle in as the boys has an in-depth chat about the Swans' last game, the Swans' next game, and a little bit about footy too. This is Nick Smith signing off until next week's episode. But in the meantime, remember... Be good to your bloods and they'll be good to you. Welcome back to A Bevy of Bloods. I'm Noddy and with this year's main co-host Chris Overseas for Work, I'm joined by 2021's regular co-host Steve-O. G'day Steve-O, how you been mate? Good, thanks for having me. Nice to be here. I, I finally got on for run what round 10, so I've been sitting on the bench for a while, so keen to come and have a chat. That's dedication. Uh, I don't know who's got the most medi subs this year, but you'd have to be up there for sure. Um, in this episode number 39, we'll be reviewing uh, the round 10 game against the Blues and also have a quick chat about the upcoming Tigers game too. So fluff up your tail feathers and settle in for a potentially biased yarn about all things to do with our beloved Bloods. Last Friday night, our Sydney Swans were defeated by the Carlton Blues by 15 points, with us scoring 13-9-87 to their 15-12-102. All right, Steve, our first impressions. What do you think of that, mate? I was disappointing on it. I mean, I, I was kind of hopeful that we could reassert a bit of dominance and show that, yep, we're a top four team this year. But then, you know, watching that first quarter, the way that they were walking the ball out of our forward line in that first quarter made me think this could be a bit of a long day. You know, in that first half, we're constantly second of the ball. You know, they were scoring more, more inside 50s, winning a lot more of the footy and really just our accuracy kept us in the game in that first quarter. It's the only reason we were ahead in the at quarter time. And they blew us off the park, kicking, I think, what, five straight, smashed in clearances, inside 50s, contested possessions. And they, they got in a good run. They kicked nine goals in the quarter. And, and that was it. Whatever happened after that didn't matter because you're down by 38 points at halftime. Yeah, definitely. Talking about halftime, we came out after the main break, obviously produced a, a better effort, wrestling our way back into the game, essentially like nullifying the contest. Like I think it was plus five uh, by the end of the second half. So we definitely got it back our way. Um, but it just, I don't know, we just couldn't really convert that into into dominance, you know. Um, at least holding the, fighting the ball, holding the ball, it got us into a chance to, to steal the game. Um, got within 17 points at three-quarter time. Um, you know, surging home, got within eight points. But then, as you say, like, uh, accuracy let us down in the fourth. We kicked 17%, kicked 1-5 to their 1-3. Uh, um, you know, their young ruck had, a, had, a, had an amazing fourth quarter, really um, stymied some of our progress. But, uh, yeah, I just felt a bit numb in that second quarter. Hey, you could see the whole crowd going nuts. And we were just we were basically just, we were just watching, like, what felt like a bloodbath just in the, in, in the centre square and then in, in their forward 50. Wasn't pretty, was it, mate? Um, nah, and it stung a bit having Georgie Hewitt having one of his best games oh, of the year too. He looked, he looked good, didn't he? Yeah. How many Swans fans were thinking, uh, oh, sorry, why did we let this guy go again? Uh, um, I, mean, like, I get it. Like, he's uh, having uh, a yeah, career, career best year um, mm. and there's a position for him, I think you're about to say. but yeah. Oh, no, I just I'm like, I get why, you know, in terms of the Swans' future, he's not at the Swans, but and, and I'm glad to see him doing well. But it, it stung that extra little bit. Yeah, it, it really did. And you could see there was plenty of niggle there. You, you see Millsy and Hewitt going at it and, uh, you know, giving each other hell. But um, I know Hewitt was always such a, it was, so, I, I always, it was a favorite of mine, you know. He was always like the kind of guy where 
you know, he couldn't really do anything wrong. He always worked really hard. And then, you know, he wasn't one of those players that necessarily got under your skin or whatever. So I, I don't know. I was always rooting for him. But yeah, to see him in a, another another Guernsey, uh, obviously Nick Newman is uh, there with the Blues as well. But um, yeah, it sort of hurt a little bit more with uh, Georgie. Hey, mate, key takeaways, what we yours? And, and one um, more thing on George Hewitt, actually, I got to admit, I mean, they were wearing the the Indigenous jerseys this week, but just generally, yeah. I think he looks like sleeker and meaner in a blues jumper, like something about him. He looks like he means business in a Carlton jumper. He's got a fancy haircut. That might help. Yeah. He's got one <laughs> of those uh, fades. So I don't know if he was just, um, he hadn't embraced his um, haircut peak yeah, while he was in Sydney. But um, yeah, he does. He does. He's looking good and good on him, you know, like obviously wishing the best and, it's just a shame that he's um, producing that effort against his old club. Yeah. <laughs> We're all there going, oh, man. Uh, Georgie, yeah. I'm stoked for him. Good on him. I'm glad he's doing well. Um, yeah, totally, mate. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Go uh, on. You uh, asked me something. No, no, you're right, mate. I asked <laughs> you about key takeaways, and I realized I was going to chat about some um, some of the main stats first, but it's pretty simple. It's been spoken about at length. Horse mentioned it in the uh, press conference afterward. Um, it is basically a story of two halves and it revolves around contested possession in the first half. We were minus 29 in the second half. We were plus five touched on that earlier um, inside fifties. Again, was brutal. First half. We were minus 14 second half plus 21. We peppered them in the second half um, with, with uh, inside fifties and just really couldn't convert um, tackles. Wasn't, it was pretty similar. They Carlton had more in the second half free kicks. We got, we have to talk about it. Steve-O. It's, a, it's one of these main talking points, not just in our game, but uh, this round in general. First half, Carlton had 20 free kicks to our eight. And if, if I don't need – if there are certain numbers that trigger me, okay, and you know that 20 to eight is a triggering combination of numbers for me for none other than the 2016 grand final. But, um, look, second half obviously leveled out a little bit. We won uh, that by one. So just repeating, it was 20 free kicks to eight. Sydney's eight in the first half, and then Carlton had twelve to Sydney's thirteen in the second half. What do they do? They get uh, they have a couple of oranges at halftime and just say, "Oh, boys, geez, we let that one go. We better we better give the the Swannies some uh, free kicks here." Come on, you know you know what happens. What happens? What's going on there? Uh, look, I'm gonna agree with you in this one. I, I tend not to. Usually, whenever there's a there's a free kick conversation, I, I tend to be a bit more measured. There were some shockers in that first half, but having yeah. said that, a lot of them were also ones that the Swans gave away because they were second of the ball, which is frustrating. Um, but and it's not just the Swans game; like it's it's been the AFL in general this year. There seems to be less and less clarity around umpiring, and it's it's frustrating. I think for a lot of fans and, and commentators, and I'm sure players and coaches too, that you know, you don't know what's going on because the same thing that was a free kick in the first quarter isn't in the third quarter and the next week something else. It's getting really frustrating to watch at times, actually, not just the Swans when I'm watching other matches. So, I mean, the big one on your, on your point there from this week was the Warner play and then compare and then descent. So Warner be- runs 10, bounces, runs another, what do we say, 15, maybe 16, gets pinged for running too far, puts his hands out because he's confused, 50-meter descent, Next kick goes in, Tommy McCartan's holding Kerno, it's a goal, right? And then later, I don't know when it was, but, you know, Cripps is throwing his arms out. You know, there were a lot of arms throwing both ways. That's what I don't get. If they're saying it, if it's demonstrable descent, i.e. if you put your arms out to the ref at all, th- then it's going to be 50. Okay, okay if that's the case, th- th- there needs to be about 20 more free kicks a game because there's arms going everywhere after almost every kick. 
every every call. Not every call, but you know what I mean? Like it's um I don't know, it's frustrating. It's, it's a very frustrating one. And I think the other thing that frustrates me too is that um they were talking I was watching on the couch today the you know the the show with um with Gary Lyon and Revolt and Jonathan Brown and then they often have John Ralph the um the journalist on there with them as well. And mm. um and he was saying that his understanding of it is that it's up to the individual umpire. There's no definition of what dissent is. Each individual umpire has to determine what they think dissent is. And this is part of this massive inconsistency. And then that asked for some clarification from the AFL. I think that actually said that even invited them on their program and they got nothing back. So no one knows. Oh, I thought it was clearer than that. I thought it had to be demonstrable. When I was watching Brad Scott bumble his way through all those press conferences uh, maybe three or four weeks ago, it seemed like demonstrable um, you know, a, a, de- a demonstrable uh, example of dissent. So if you, well, I guess that's also ambiguous. Yeah, it's subjective. It? This is a problem. It's totally, yeah. so like I could yeah. be an umpire and you could be an umpire and, and you might be like an umpire with 400 games of experience and not much ruffles your feathers. So you don't care. You don't think that that's in any way dissent and it's not putting you off or whatever. It's not questioning your authority. So when I shrug my shoulders at you, you think whatever play on, but then say I'm an umpire with 50 games of experience or whatever, and I feel less secure in my role. Um, or maybe I'm just a person who's a bit more narky, for want of a better word. I think everything's dissent because that's my reaction. And this is like, it's a mess. Come on, fix it, please. AFL. It's just, it doesn't need to be like this. Yeah. David King, I think was going to have an aneurysm. He's, yeah. um, he, 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 can, he can get as passionate as anyone, but I think he's been very passionate on this point. And if you're looking at, um, you know, and there's a couple of other reasons for it. You know, if the crowd numbers are down um, and this is one of, one of the, the key factors, then they, they need to move quickly because this is stupid. But I mean, going back to your point, second of the ball, look, halfway through the third, I think I uh, counted of the, of the 21 free kicks that we conceded. Um, we had been holding the man on seven occasions. So, you know, like a third of those, we were second of the ball. So there's definitely that trend there, Steve. So I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. It's just hard to watch sometimes. And it's the inconsistency that really, uh, you know, can really ruffle feathers. But in terms of league-wide implications, we're, we're into, this, into the season now. We can take a, we can have a look at a bit of an analysis um, in, into, into how we're going and how the teams we come up against are going. Um, we are currently six wins and four losses now, sitting on seventh uh, with 120.4%. Um, if I look at what, you know, our wins, we've had one win against the top eight team, and that was Geelong on Buddy's big night which is probably our best game, and maybe they just let us win it. Um, and then the, the four, four losses we've had against two top eight teams and two middle teams um, that, you know, Western Bulldogs will probably be in the top eight soon. And Gold Coast Suns, you never know if they can knock off a few more. They might even hit the eight. So, look, yeah, I think that, that initial five and one or six and one, no, what were we, five and one? Yeah, I think five and one. Five and one, everyone was yeah. going, oh, my God, here are the Swans. They're a flag. They're a they're, coming home for the flag, that was probably a little premature, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, if you look at it now, like we were, we all went into the season with high hopes and I think, yeah, at five and one, we're thinking, yep, top four shot. And now the finals is going to be a fight. So we'll talk about that a bit more as we go mm. on. But, um, but it's mm. really going to be a fight now where the Swans are at. And if you look at who we've beaten, we've beaten the junk, really. Like we've beaten what GWS, mm. we've beaten North Melbourne, we've beaten West Coast, we've beaten Essendon. Most people are thrashing them. We beat the Hawks. Okay, the Hawks had a good win against Brisbane, but the Hawks are very up and down. And really, we beat mm. them on, on the back of just a really fast run towards the end of the game. They blew us out of the water in the first quarter, and we just mm. fought back in. So 
the form lines, that's not the form line of a top four team, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, and then, and then two losses against teams that are probably going to be top four, which is, which is Brisbane and Carlton. And then a loss against the Gold Coast who probably won't make the eight as much as people would mm-hmm. love them to. They probably won't. And the dogs who are on the fringe of the eight. So that's it. That's, that's not a good form line. Hey? Let's look at the blues. So, um, you know, everyone's up and about with these blues and obviously, you know, and I think you've even commented that the, the AFL is better when a big Melbourne team is up and about. It just sort of feels more vibrant. And I, I think that's, that's fair. Um, they're eight and two. They're now coming fourth uh, on 114.6%. Um, the teams they've beaten, they've only beaten two top eight teams, Richmond and us. Um, and the rest have been, um, you know, middle, four middle teams, uh, Western Bulldogs, Hawthorne, Port and GWS, and then two bottom four teams, North and the Crows. The two losses they've had, have had, you'd sort of scratch your heads, your head if you're a Blues fan. They lost to the Suns, as, as we did, um, by 30, and that was an away game. And then they lost to the Dockers, which was also away, and that was 35. So, And the Dockers, as we were talking about before we started recording, um, they looked good, a little bit like us, but they've come off the boil, haven't they, in the last two weeks? So, yeah. What do you make of the bull, the blue season to date? Because that's not that impressive. They've probably had more, um, you know, only, only three top eight teams that they've played against and they've won two of those, lost one. So, hmm, I don't know. Do you think they're, they're a chance to win the flag this year, Steve? Not the flag, I don't think. Um, I reckon they can go deep into finals. I reckon they can finish top four and they can, they can win a final or two even. Um, the thing with the Blues that I like compared to us is the eight wins and we've got six on because the only mm. stat that, like, we talk about stats forever. I mean, Australian football delivers piles and piles and piles of stats, but the only ones that ever really matter are wins and losses and draws, <laughs> I guess. That, at the end of the yeah. day, that's the number that matters to get you in the finals is how many wins. They've got eight already. So they only need to win five out of their last 12 and they'll make the finals. You know, they, they win, say, seven or eight out of those 12 and they'll be a top four team. And if we look at who they've played, um, they haven't played some of the bigger sides yet so they haven't played Melbourne they haven't played Brisbane they haven't played Geelong I don't think and they also haven't played St Kilda they were looking pretty good so I'll make an assessment on the Blues once I've seen how they go against those teams at the moment I'm not convinced because yep they've won a lot of games but they've also given up some pretty chunky leads in a lot of their games mm. and that's that's not something which I think is going to handle is like is going to stand up against Melbourne you know Brisbane these sorts of sides, I think they'll punish you if you give them that much of a chance to get back in the game. Definitely, and how stressful must it be for the Blues fans to watch them? <laughs> they, what a roller coaster! They 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 kick out, they're forty fifty points up, and then they come home to win by one three and fifteen. You know, like in the, in those close games, Hawks, Port, and uh, and the Swans. So yeah, talk about risk and reward for being a Blues fan at the moment, but. Uh, look, that's probably enough on the game, Steve. Well, on the, um, the key takeaways. In terms of favourite moments, we'll just shout out a couple. Buddy's long bomb. Oh, my God. Vintage Buddy. How good was that from the centre square? It was beautiful, was it? And you could see it building. Sometimes with these Buddy long bomb goals, you can. there's almost a sense of inevitability. And it's like, it's like the yeah. waters just open up and then whoosh. And that was what that one was. <laughs> it, was it was great, wasn't it? <laughs> and then Warner, have, Warner having to get out of the way very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, otherwise, um, I was particularly impressed with, and we'll, I'll touch on him in, on him in a moment, um, Paddy McCartan's kicking. Uh, obviously, he's known for his, or this season, he's known getting, getting to be known for his intercept marking, but his kicking is very good. And his inside 50 kicking, I think he had a couple, 
um, two or three even. I think they were score involvements because they led to goals. But I was just very impressed with some of his uh, lace out kicking, um, not just this week, but in recent recent times, uh, recent weeks as well. Um, how about you, mate? Any kid. any favourite moments from? The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a couple. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And with McCartan, this is what happens when you get someone who was an elite forward when they were drafted because he was drafted number one as the best full forward in the country. What, yeah. not, what, what six, seven years ago? The same year Heaney got drafted. I think he was that same draft. Yeah. And um, and you know the guy who was the best full forward in the country at age eighteen is probably going to be an elite kick. We would hope. And when you put him in the back line, this is what they can do. Like it's, um, yeah, he's a, he's a beautiful kick. Um, yeah. But yeah, so speaking of. Yeah, if I'll link into other exciting young drafted forwards, Logan McDonald, for me, his game out of out of of a very disappointing day, really overall. The thing that made me really happy was how well he went. He kicked what kicked three goals. I think he took four marks in the first quarter alone, if I remember, and about ten overall. I think eight or ten for the whole match. I mean, this is still what a a twenty-year-old kid has he even turned twenty? Nineteen, twenty? Like he's he's very young. And he's really starting to assert himself as an AFL standard player, which um, for me, if this whole season ends up being a bust, the emergence of him into a genuine AFL player would be enough to take away and think that was a good year, honestly. Yeah, he's 20. So, 20, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Like, he uh, he looked good. Look, he um, probably almost could have had a bag by the end of it. He rushed those last two, but that was for the, the game to try and get us back in. But in doing so, obviously... Um, just uh, lost some of that uh, that run up that we were talking about before. Yeah, um, off, makes me nervous. <laughs> makes you nervous. Yeah. Somehow it makes me calm. Really? That little dip. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, he's got to do the dip. He's got to. He's, he's, he's dipping because he dips. He kicks it straight. But if he's rushing the dip, that's when he the radar is off a bit. That's what I think anyway. Um, any other moments, mate? Before we move on to the bevies B and F. Uh, there was one that I really liked, actually. It was um, Colin O'Reardon took a really strong mark on the on the wing, strong defensive mark, which um, which you know he hasn't been playing that much this year. He played a little bit last year, and that just reminded us, I guess, just how tough a player he is because that was a gutsy mark, you know, coming back, full body contact, held on the mark. Um, so that was another a little little flash of happiness on an otherwise not so happy afternoon no night was afternoon here in Finland sorry night time there yeah no we'll um we'll probably talk about him later on but yeah I think he he did everything he could to um stay in the team but we'll just have to wait and see how that that plays out um all right up next is the a bob medal uh which is our equivalent of the bob skilton medal the bevy's best bloods this week in three two one points order were luke uh I can sledge anyone I want parker uh, Tommy Papley and Cal Mills. Um, we've got a couple of honourable mentions after that as well, mate. So do you want to uh, kick us off with Parker there? Oh, he was just tough, I think, Luke Parker. And, and these three players, all of them really, when it's these three that are the best, it always worries me a little bit because it means that, you know, we can't rely on these guns every week to have to do this. They need support. Mm. Um, and that was how I kind of felt watching this game. So, so Parker did what he always does. We get the same thing out of Parker every single week. And, you know, wait, 26 touches, yeah, um, kicked a goal, a bunch of tackles, I think seven tackles, 31 pressure acts, which is massive. I was like second mm. on the field, which is huge. Um, I mean, it was a great day from Parker. Definitely. And, and I think what happened, like, with that uh, clash, and we'll talk about this as well, the clash between Kennedy and, and, and Doherty, um, obviously, you know, Ken, Joey had been put in the mid back in the past couple of weeks and, 
he goes off and you think, okay, Parks is in there, Mills is in there. And then it, I think it was, there was, we were dropping like flies at one point. They weren't all mids. Mm. I think it was Blake, Blakey and someone else. And, and even Parker himself, I think you were saying like he looked a bit proppy, maybe he'd done an ankle or something. But uh, I thought at one moment that, um, yeah, we were going to lose Kennedy and Parker, but obviously um, he played out the game and, and went on to have a good one, but couldn't bring us over the line as he so often does. But I thought Tommy Papley was good. Um, and had a pretty, like what you would consider a, just a, a top-shelf um, small forward game, even though he had a few centre-bounce attendances. Three goals, two behinds, 10 disposals, 23 pressure acts, six score involvements, which is probably low for him, uh, but it was second for for, for Sydney. Um, I just thought he had a good game. He's obviously warming back up to the level. His third game back, I think, after his hemi, and um, obviously quite first one, um, and two, but yeah, um, we're seeing um, you know vintage Tommy at his thing, do his thing. Sorry. So, what do you think of his game, mate? Oh, Papley's great. I think he's one of he's one of my favourite players in the whole AFL. Just the way that he goes about it, and his energy level can be a real barometer too. Like if if he's a bit flat, um, you know the team can appear a bit flat sometimes. But when he's up and about, because there's sorts of players when you're playing that you you love having on the field because they just go in everything. They're zipping about. They, they really get in the opposition and they hit the scoreboard. They don't just buzz around and be a pest. They also cause a whole lot of damage. So, yeah, I mean, it was a great game from Papley, but I just think he mm. probably could have had a few more mates out there. Definitely. And, um, well, Cal Mills has really been flying the flag all year and he's, uh, he's, he's had some absolute scorching games. And this is probably comparatively a, a quiet game for him. But if you look at how, he, how it played, 23 disposals, eight tackles. I mean, he had, what, 13... Last week, 13 or 14, 13, I think, um, which was basically half of what Essendon got um, as a total for a team. But uh, look, he was best on ground for tackles, eight tackles, 32 pressure acts, which was also best on ground. So maybe he wasn't um, as focused on the disposals this game because we know he can get high 30s, um, but he, he seemed to be more on the defensive acts this game. But um, I guess the thing I want from Millsy is like maybe kicking one or two goals if he can. I think that would take him to another level, wouldn't it? I mean, I think he deserves to be spoken in in the Brownlow discussion at least, but he or even AA. Um, sorry, that's uh, all Australian, um, but yeah, he probably isn't. But I don't know. What do you think about him, general, and and how'd you see him against the Blues, mate? Oh, again, I mean, the Blues. He's one of these players. He gives you, you know, the same every week. He's an elite footballer. He's a he's a complete AFL footballer, and. And I think that his his ability to combine both winning the football but also using the football really well, plus his sort of defensive pressure side of his game, he's absolutely elite. And I still don't think he gets the um, the applause maybe outside of the Swans that he probably deserves. It's starting to improve now. You're hearing him get talked about a bit more in the football media, but still not as much as, as someone of his standard probably deserves. Um, but, yeah, I mean... It's always hard to know too, like if if his role in the midfield is to be more of a defensive holding role and push back and help out the backs where it's coming forward. Because you're right, he hasn't really hit the scoreboard much this year, at least not that I can remember mm. much. He's probably hit one or two goals, has he? Only not, yeah, not it's that about many. That, I think uh, yeah. it'd be nice to see him getting his name amongst the goals. Mm. Um, I guess that's the other thing, you know, like with with Joey off, and we had to shift a few players around. Obviously, Rowie still had a week off. We've got probably not our best midfield out there, and we're coming up against a midfield unit that's um, playing really well, and they're all pretty big units, right? They've got Cripps, Kennedy, Hewitt, um, Walsh is smaller but runs all day, and Chera. You know, it's a very good midfield. And, um, you know, if you think about 
who we've got in there. You know, I think Heaney had a bit of a run through. Papley had a run through. Um, you know, I think maybe even at times Florent and Juzzy obviously were in the mix on the wings. But yeah, look, I mean, it, it just it's falling on on Mills's shoulders uh, more and more. Um, but you know, obviously offset with Parker. But you know, if we're if we if we're not scoring goals, we kind of always also need Parker as that other option to go down there because we know he can his forward craft is up there with the best. So yeah, look, I don't know. I I'm, I'm, I guess my question is, do we need another type of mid? In there, and and let's talk about it later when we we, we go on the the hot topics. But mm. I'll go back for a second. Who are those? Asterix. You just listed five Carlton midfielders, right? Say them again. Yep. Which uh, Cripps, Cripps, Matt Kennedy, George Hewitt, Adam Chera, Sam Walsh. Yep. So so Hewitt is probably the fourth out of that lot. You would say yep. after after Cripps, Walsh, Chera, Hewitt is probably next, and then Kennedy. Um, at the Swans, what would it be if if Hewitt was back at the Swans? It would it would be um, it'd be Parker Mills, and Hewitt would be the third in line, wouldn't he? Yeah. So yeah. that's that's already a class gap you can see there. So their their fourth best midfielder would be our third best midfielder. Yeah. Um, so you can already see a bit of a separation between their midfielders and ours. Mm. And 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 it was just yeah, it was brutal, wasn't it? That second quarter, yeah, but it was um, horrible. To watch. It was like a training run. It was yeah. just we were just getting and and we'll talk about um, Laddams and Hickey a little bit later on as well. But um, yeah, look, all right. Before that, honourable mentions. Um, you got any 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 honourable mentions you want to chat about, mate? Oh, I always say that I like Goulden, and I'm going to say it again because this kid <laughs> is 19 years old, and he just turns up every week and gets his 20 yard kicks and his goal, and he's inside 50s and. You know, I mean, he's he's a very, very good player. And it's ridiculous that he's not even up to game, what, 30 probably, and we're still expecting just to turn up and see him do it every week. He's a he's a star. I know, he's almost ruined us, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, I, I love the way that within the same match, these Victorian, or I think it was, was it BT, I think he was calling it. I don't know, maybe it wasn't BT, but um, they, they can pronounce his name Goulden in one, one play and Golden in the next. And... I just don't understand how it's it's that difficult to pronounce. Yeah, look, one of the great miracles of the AFL, really, I think, is that, that large numbers of the Channel Seven commentary team remain employed, and <laughs> and you just offered yet another good example. <laughs> goodness, goodness. Yeah. All right, mate. I'll, I'll say Paddy. Uh, nine intercept marks, uh, possessions rather, best on ground. Two inside fifties. I touched on earlier, which I just loved. Um, obviously, he's one of the stories of the AFL. He's come back, but it's he's not just making up the numbers. He's he's really one of our best players, and I think he's probably one of the one of the best backs in the comp. Um, I thought he was better than Weedering, but obviously Weedering did a pretty good job on Buddy. Um, yeah, I think Weedering's ahead of him um, and a few others in the uh, All Australian discussion. But yeah, um, who else do we have there? We had Logan. We've sort of spoken about. Um, he was great, and. Yeah. Yeah, Ollie Florent, I think, probably played okay. Um, Logan again, I think, yeah, three goals, three behinds, best for Sydney, three contested marks, game high until Tom De Conning uh, took four um, as he ramped up in that fourth quarter. But um, what do you think of Ollie's game, mate? He's pretty solid. And Florent's one of those ones that his role, I guess, is going to determine how we see him. I like Ollie Florent in the midfield. Um, I know mm. that he gets run off half back. He gets run through a wing a bit, or at least that's what it looks like on the TV. It's quite hard to know, not watching at the ground mm. exactly where players are playing. But I really like it when he actually gets in to the midfield and he gets to be that sort of 
that release player coming out of a stoppage. Um, mm. and, and also he, he has this, like, he's, he's one of these energy players. He's a little bit like Papley in a way that, you know, you look at someone like him and when he's up and about and when he's really going, going at it and winning the ball and using the ball well, I, I feel positive about how the team is going around him. So mm. yeah, I, I liked Florence game. It's an interesting comment because, um, you, you know, the mongrel punt that, uh, fantastic, um, online, I guess, review, whatever it is, you know, they, they do fantastic reviews of games and stuff. And there was one of the guys there who does the Swans there. He says that when Ollie Florent gets 20 disposals, the Swans win. And so this oh, really? could be the first, the first time. Yeah. How, like how many did you get this week? 21. 20, 21. And we ruined it. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> we, we ruined it. So we'll have to wait. Maybe, maybe they miscounted his disposals. He only got 19. Yeah. Because, um, the guy, yeah, he had, uh, was, was looking like one of those really quirky stats that just, was was true every time you looked at it but um how does one go about discovering that stat that's impressive dedication I think. Uh, that's wow I, yeah you'd have to really follow the tables wouldn't you yeah <laughs> you'd have a few cool uh excel spreadsheets i imagine but um like, what else you came up with like every single time um callum mills gets 15 contested possessions the swans win by 20 points or more you could yeah. probably find all sorts of stuff if you dig you heard it here first on <laughs> yeah. the floods yeah and, and that one think. is not is not documented that's just me making one up but yeah let's let's, let's see what else i could find i wouldn't that's, be surprised yeah. though but he is he's a bit hey, of a um, player yeah yeah he is and yeah and I, look i don't know i've often wondered maybe he's the the long-term replacement for like your jake lloyd or your, your cunningham he goes to a back pocket or something obviously he can kick well um his defense is you know i mean it's one of the hardest positions so it's pretty hard to get a midfielder say you know be a lockdown small defender now, but I don't know. I mean, do you see him st- sticking around the midfield or maybe moving around in the next couple of years as we have a, have a proper tilt? It depends on needs, doesn't it? So if, if they need a midfielder, then yeah. I mean, Longmire has always shown a willingness to shift players around based on what the team needs. And um, I mean, everyone likes playing in the midfield, don't they? Like if, if you're playing footy, you want to be around the ball. Um, yeah. But then, you know, maybe, yeah, especially I mean, if, if Lloyd isn't going to Cunningham and they're both about the same age, I think they both got drafted the same year even. So mm. they're not around forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. All right. Um, in terms of coaches' votes, oh, Lukey Parker was the only Swan who received votes. So that's all I'm going to say about that. Um, all right, let's go on to the next topic, which is hot topics. Righto, how do we pull up after the match? MRO, what changes will we make? what's happening in the VFL, et cetera, et cetera. So Joey Kennedy, one week for contact on Doherty. Obviously, it was a brutal collision. Uh, obviously, it deserves a week, potentially more. Um, I think he, his nose was probably broken. He played out the game, so that's positive. So, uh, But in the same action, as we as we know here, Joey Kennedy's done some serious damage to his, his hamstring. Sounds like eight to ten weeks, but I don't know. Uh, at his age, that kind of injury, it's a tough one, isn't it? That could be him done. I, I hope not because he's a much-loved player. I really hope not. And he's on, but... he's on 289 games as well. I was hoping he made his 300 this year. But, yeah, uh, it's probably not going to happen. It's probably yeah. he, he could be done. Ten weeks, let's say it is to ten. There's mm-hmm. a bye week in there. You're talking about bringing back in a injury-recovering player a week or two before finals if you make them. Mm. Bit and, dicey. That, and that player's 30 years plus. It's, it's going to be and tough. I mean, I really, really hope he comes back, but yeah. I don't know. 
he's the kind of clubman who'd, who'd say, don't, don't be idiots, don't, don't pick me. But I had a bit of a back and forth with um, what I call a super fan on, on one of the socials by the name of Beck Humphrey. I just think she's just a, a fantastically informed Swans fan. And, and uh, we're t- she was talking about the long-term injury list and, and how that functions. I have to go back through that 200-page that contract that the AFL <laughs> released and, and, and check, check the details. So that by the sounds of it, they could put him on the long-term injury list and then elevate someone off our rookie list to take his spot. And technically, if he, if he were, fo- were fit and able to come back and it was good for the team and we're in the finals and all that sort of stuff, we could uh, submit, a, um, you know, I guess, an application to the AFL, essentially seeking approval for that to happen. So basically, the rookie player would come up, Joey would go down, and then it could be reversed subject to approval. Pretty technical stuff, but I think it's an, an eight minimum of eight weeks, um, if I'm correct. It was six weeks during coronavirus. They might have put it back to the regular eight weeks. So it's sounding like in terms of time, it's right around the money. It's just whether or not um, they, they go down that path because obviously there's a couple of players who are you know, regulars that are in, on the rookie list at the moment, and this is all pretty much just technicalities. Or um, I think Beck Humphrey's point was, do we pick up a, a middle-ager or someone at the mid-season draft and elevate them immediately from the rookie to the primary list so that they can get in the, in the mix and cover some of that Joey loss? So I thought it was just an interesting uh, concept. I don't know who's up for um, you know, possible selection in the mid-season draft, but yeah, I don't know. It's a massive loss either way. Obviously, he was playing off the halfback earlier this season, but he's found his spot again in the middle. And to do this this way... Um, this close to his 300th and and hopefully the Swans doing well this year is, is really disappointing, I think, for, for him and uh, and the club. I don't know, mate. What do you think? Rowie comes back in, surely. You'd think so, yeah. He had a one-week suspension, didn't he? He'll be back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he'll come back in. That'll probably mo- most likely be the like-for-like like, uh, Joey replacement. Um, obviously, Braden Campbell came on for Joey as the Medi sub. He looked amazing straight away. I think he had like was eleven touches by the time that he'd finished the, the the third quarter or something like that. So look, and we know what he can do with his kick. Um, yeah, you know, he, he was admitted. He was managed. Sorry, he was dropped and managed, and then brought on the medical sub. Um, obviously, Colin O'Reardon got that uh, start ahead of Gould and you know, off off the off the back of really good um, form in the VFL as well. And and you've already spoken about Cole. Tonight, I thought he did. I thought he played very well, very solidly. Did his role. Um, do you see him potentially coming out if they choose to go with Campbell and Rowie? It depends what they want, doesn't it? I mean, if they if they want uh, a guy like O'Riordan who is solid and can do a job, um, this is. I mean, we're just guessing from the outside, aren't we? Um, I mean, I like Campbell in the team. I think it's important to have guys like him in there. Um, Richmond is going to be without Lint, so their forward line mm. is going to look a bit different. Um, maybe they can get away without having an O'Ridden. And yeah, I, I'd like to see a Campbell in the team because he's just, he's a very talented young player. And I think you were saying, like, um, you know, obviously the silver lining for the like of, the likes of Joey being out for so long is the, the amount of minutes that we'll get into some of our, our, our young guns, right? So, you would include Braden Campbell. Would you include Roberts in that as well? Oh, potentially, yeah. Like Dill Stevens, these young guys who are on the fringes yeah. who aren't really playing much at the moment. 
Um, yeah. um, Sheldrick, who's coming back from injury now, because because yeah. this is but this is how football works, you know. Like every every senior star, like Joe Kennedy, that you lose is a hundred minutes that someone else can play because you're not going to drop Josh Kennedy if he's capable of playing at his best or close to his best football. But you know, it means you haven't got that extra hundred minutes a week to play one of these kids, and now they do. So maybe we'll start to see some of them come through. Mm. Uh, all right, mate. I've got a couple of uh, questions here for you, and it goes. It's about the small forwards, and then it's about the the rucks, our dual rucks. So, Wex, uh, Wix Bell Ronk. Um, obviously, they're sort of been switching around uh, this past game. It was Wix and Bell. A lot of hatred for for Bell at Belly out there, and I, I don't really see it. I, I see him uh, working really hard. I know he, he's not the best user of the ball, but you can't have twenty two. Braden Campbell's or Errol Goulden's in the team, can you? So what's your take on on this very intriguing, um, you know, three-pronged competition for small forward? Yeah, I think it's tough. First of all, with defensive small forwards, always um, looking in from the outside, it's very hard to know if they're doing what they should be doing because we only see the players when they've got the footy. Um, we don't know what they've been sent out to do by the coaches. And most of the other positions on the field, you can make as an outsider a fairly good assessment. Um, some of the defenders also can be hard, but mostly you can make a pretty good assessment of impact on a game based on what they do with the football. I think with these small forwards, it's far, far more difficult. So having said that, I don't think that Wicks and Bell are superstars. They're never going to be A-grade players. We shouldn't expect that from them. But are they the right ones to be in the team at the moment when we've got um, you know, other younger guys like a, like a Sheldrick or someone who could be maybe playing a forward pocket role each week? It depends if we think we're trying to win a premiership right now or still developing a team. And if it's still developing a team, then, I mean, these guys, maybe they're not the ones. Um, it's hard to because two of them are from New South Wales. So that's that's part of it. I think it's it's always good to see New South Wales guys doing well in the team. But if I was going to pick my dream twenty two, they probably wouldn't be in there. Yeah, look, it's um, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because you know Ronk came back in and with that in a couple of weeks ago, and with injection of F, you know, really good run and tackle and a few goals, and then sort of he dropped off, and then the others came back in, and so it's really sort of a bit of an in-out sort of situation at the moment. I think a lot of fans are looking at the numbers that Ryan, our boy Ryan Clark are putting up, is putting up in the VFL and thinking, you know, maybe he can go in as like a, you know, a, a forward half tagger or even like an extra midfielder, obviously, because he's just, he'll run all day um, and he'll get his hands to the ball. But I've always, whenever he's gone back up in the AFL, I've thought that he just doesn't, it doesn't look right. Um, and, and could someone like a Ryan Clark come in and play the role that Wicks, Bell and Ronk are, are doing? I don't know. I don't probably know. could. I mean, I mean yeah, yeah, I can't see why he couldn't. And this is the thing. Mm. This is why I really, I'm, I'm loath to be critical of all three of these guys you've mentioned, like Wicks, Bell and Ronk, just because it's a very difficult position. I, like, I know it's a horrible, I've played this position myself mm. um, at times and it's really, really hard and it's totally thankless and no one sees what you're doing, even if you're doing everything right. <laughs> <laughs> and then the moment you do something wrong, everyone jumps on your back. So, yeah. so, so I don't know. Like, I, I don't think they're doing bad. But then, who else do we have on the list that we'd rather see on the field? I'm not sure. And it comes well, back to: it. Do you want to win games of footy, or do you want to blood kids? And if I'm trying to win games of footy, then I've got two of those three playing. Um, yeah. If I'm blooding kids, then you know, probably they're in the VFL. I get the feeling that a certain 
um, I guess, school of Swans fans want to see like a minimum of 10 disposals and two goals from these guys every game. And I mean, if they're doing that every game, they're probably like the league league's best small yeah. forward. Yeah, but best, in history, you're the best small. I think in, Stephen in history, Milne yeah. is like the best ever small forward and he kicked what? Barely two goals a game for his whole career. Something like that. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's a tough job. But up there, I think they're saying this year, it's, uh, you know, Charlie Cameron again, Zach Bailey's um, around, you know, in the mix. Uh, Shea Bolton, I think, is having a bit of a good season. Um, who else is up there? Um, I'd say that's probably it at the moment. I mean, obviously, Papley is All-Australian last year as well. He'll, he'll find some form, continue to get his form going, and he'll be in the in the mix. But they're just, yeah, as you said, they're not at that level. We shouldn't expect them to be, but we should be really stoked that they're playing the role that we we, we can only guess that they're, they're being sent out to do, which is just try your best to put pressure on the ball. And if you, if the tackles stick, then that's great. But um, obviously don't, don't miss tackles, but you know, all the, all those little pressure acts help. Um, you know, and I think we had some turnovers the first half, especially with a lot of the goals came from turnovers. So but not in our forward half necessarily, but yeah, I don't know. It's just one of these topics that comes up, I think every week, especially because these three guys, not one of these um, are really locking it down. I mean, obviously Wicks and Bella, Two, two are in the team at the moment, but Ronk, you know, could come in and out. But all right, mate. Yeah, just you said Clark okay. too, just quickly on mm. Ryan Clark, mm. I, I feel mm. that, I mean, I tend to put a lot of faith in the coaching staff to know the list and know what they want mm. out of the list. And I think that Ryan Clark's fit. He's, he's not mm. like he's not injured or anything. He's playing every week in the seconds. He comes on to the sub role occasionally. I feel yeah. that if, if they wanted Ryan Clark in the 22 every week, you'd be playing. Like, and, and they've got Wicks and Bell in there. And sometimes wrong. So they must, for whatever they want to get out of them, think that they're the best players. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think you mentioned earlier um, that you, you think Bell would probably, his best footy would actually be in the midfield. I like him and as a midfielder, I, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I've seen him play plenty of VFL matches mm. in the midfield. and he, he can rack it up as well. And um, he's sort of that sort of inside mid, sort of almost um, kind of a little bit like your row bottoms. Um, that he's sort of mm, yeah. tough and un- tough, tough and under, and you know he's obviously got a, a pretty good um, aerobic capacity as well. Um, but he's you know down the pecking order, and so has to perform this sort of pressure forward role. But you know I'm sure he's not complaining. But yeah, I just I kind of wish sometimes Swans fans would you know get off his case a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean one Swans fan even said that it was he was the reason we lost the elimination final last year. Oh come on, what? <laughs> well, if, if you're listening, Mitch. James Bell, there's plenty of love for you here. We like we like yeah, your footy. So. Absolutely, you're an A ball favorite, mate. Like, yeah. um, I just to say that is just just stupid. I mean, yeah, we kicked one seven for the quarter, and a lot of other a lot of other Swans kicked behind yeah. that game. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, want want yeah. everyone to be careful there, but um. All right, mate, let's move on to the Rucks. Um, obviously, we got Laddams uh, in the trade period. Um, obviously, we're just catching up because it's the first time we've done this uh, um, show together this year. Um, and, but we've got Tall Jesus in there. We did, we've been running the, the two Rucks uh, for the second week in a row. Seemed to work well against the Bombers, but they were a rabble. Um, against the Blues, they had a younger Ruck. Uh, Pitternet is out with a PCL, I think. And, and, so, and then they had Cripps. Silvani and even Matthew Kennedy in, in the ruck. And overall, those four beat our our two rucks. Um, what do you think of Laddam's games game against the Blues? He, he looked uh, – he was a little bit out at sea sometimes. Uh, too good. Uh, too good. Sure. Yeah, it wasn't his best. Had two good tackles. But other than that, at times he looked like uh, 
yeah, he just was a bit slow or something. But um, yeah, would you persist with the two rucks? I don't know. I I mean, it worked against Essendon, but then it was it was not a competitive opposition, really. Yeah, and that's, that's yeah. being as honest as I can be, um, both with our team and with the opposition. But um, I don't know. I I like the the setup where it was just one ruckman and um, and like more of a forward who would give a chop out. But then, I mean, they've done this two weeks in a row, I guess, that they've done it. It's worked one week. It hasn't worked another week. I mean, how long do you play with it? That's a, that's a good question. I don't really have an yeah, answer. Yeah, I, I think that if we look at the Tigers, um, obviously Nan Curvis, um, there's another one that got away. Um, and they've got uh, Ivan Soldo, who two legitimate key rucks, or at least the stature of, of two key rucks, on um, in the starting 22. So I think we'd probably have to roll it again unless they think that maybe Amadi's due for uh, an elevation. I mean, he kicked four goals. He's been playing pretty well. Um, Sam Reid, I think, had two and uh, a stack of um, uh, marks, maybe some contested. But, yeah, I mean, Hayden, Cle- Hayden McLean is down there as well. Um, Stretch McAndrews doing well, but he's certainly development. I don't know if he'll get any AFL games this year, but I'm hopeful that he'll um, he'll crack on next year. But, I think they'll probably persist for another week and then just see what happens. But, you know, it's ultimately up to the, the coaches, as as we always say. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder. Any other... uh, just, I mean, because, okay, if, if Richmond's got two genuine rocks, they've got Soldo and they've got Nane Curvis. Mm. I wonder if only playing Hickey and then, say, a McLean, because McLean can run. And McLean was pretty ordinary the couple of weeks before he got dropped. He, he wasn't playing very well. Um, yeah. But um, but he really we, – we know he can run. We've seen his GPS numbers, and he can clock around 15Ks in a game, so he really knows how to run. Maybe mm. that's an advantage if they've got two sort of more lumbering, even though they're big and strong. If Hickey can, can handle most of it, maybe that's an advantage for us. I don't know. Yeah, and he, I mean, I think McLean kicked two as well um, against Coburg there, uh, that 30-point win that we got. But, um, yeah, I don't know if he's the one to come back in because Amadi is obviously a, a very good forward ruck as well and I think probably a better ruck, um, a pinch, pinch hitter ruck uh, than McLean. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, Steve-O, where should Isaac Heaney be playing? Uh, within 90 metres of goal. All the time, yeah. please. Yeah. That's that's it. That's all I want. I want to see Isaac Heaney forward and centre. Um, so you're not happy with uh, the midfield clock that he's been getting this year? I think he's a good midfielder, but I think that there's a lot more good midfielders in the world than there is game-breaking half-forwards, and that's where I'd... Because it's, it's like the classic robbing Peter to pay Paul. You take Heaney out of your forward line, then you lose an absolute match-winning player in front of 50, or so in front of centre, um, you put him in the midfield and he does something which, you know, a lot of people can do, which is which is accumulate the ball. And he's a good user of the ball. He's a good mark. And he plays well in the midfield. But if I could have him one place on the football field, it would be in the forward line. Yep. Well, uh, on the topic of midfields, uh, midfield guns, and obviously Joey Kennedy out, there's a little bit of chit-chat over the last couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, Dusty coming to Sydney. Is he going to GWS? Is he going to the Swans? Uh, but then there was, I think it was an article or an interview today. Um, there's a couple of big GWS players that are potentially up uh, for grabs, and that is Timmy Taranto and Jacob and or Jacob Hopper. Um, geez, I would probably, I mean, I would go at any one of those three, really. Um, if, you know, maybe not Dusty, less so Dusty. 
I've got eyes on Timmy Taranto. I know in the past you've really rated Jacob Hopper. I think he did his. I think he's out for another six weeks. I think he did his knee this year, didn't he? Did he? Are they both off contract? Taranto and Hopper are both out of. My understanding contract. is, yeah, they're coming up. They might be restricted free agents. Oh, can we have um, both of them? Both of them would be nice, actually. I think both of those two, and the Swans look more Mills. like a premiership team. <laughs> yeah, immediately. Like yeah. imagine Mills, Taranto, and Hopper just doing their thing in the middle. All of a sudden, you've got um, you know Rowie, Warner, Juzzy, Florent—all these really like quite good, um, serviceable midfielders that can then do these roles elsewhere, right? Back pocket, forward. You know, you know Warner and Rowie could maybe go up, up front, um, and they could also play in the middle. I don't know. Just if we can get both, how crazy would that be? You know, if we can afford them. I mean, can't just can't Buddy sell one of his investment properties or something and bring him over for a year. I wonder what uh, I mean, Buddy's Empire. I hope it's. I hope it runs deep. I think it probably would. Surely it's enough for those two guys. <laughs> surely, surely. Uh, um, I'm just having a quick look here, mate, because it's a it's an interesting concept um, where they're sitting. There, there is Popper, the salary cap problem, I suppose. That's the ultimate. Well, the but <laughs> you, I mean, you spoke about Buddy and, and Joey Kennedy's coming off as well, and yeah. Jacob Hopper is contracted until the end of 2023, uh, and. Okay. Taranto is this year uh, at the end of this year. Yeah, oh, let's so get him. Let's get Tim Taranto. He'd be fantastic. I'll happily, yeah, happily get him. And maybe maybe him and Hopper and some of their other guns, like Young Green, maybe they don't get along with James Hurd or whoever the new senior coach is going to be. And um, yeah. and they like Sydney and they want to play for horse. Well, that, I think that's the thing. That's why a lot of people are saying Taranto, he's, he's on the record as saying he prefers Sydney. I think maybe he's got a relationship. Um, his missus is from Sydney, potentially. Um, so, like he, he, they, we should be looking at, at at those types of players first and foremost. Someone who says they want to be in Sydney, mm. um, and then a player of his caliber. Wow, um, would just be very exciting. And I mean, look, Sam Taylor would be really cool to get across. Um, I, I actually like um, Sproul. I think he'd be very handy. He, that guy can kick fifty-five meters and. He's pretty handy in the ruck as well. Um, young Peatling, he's their academy. A lot of lot of academy players there. I, I quite like the look of um, Connor Stone as well. But they they gave him an extra two years. Um, this all of a sudden became a, an exercise in poaching giants, but it wasn't my intention. But yeah, look, um, I think if if there can be some, if the conversation develops um, and there's some seriousness, and it comes down to Dusty versus Taranto or Dusty versus Hopper or or Taranto versus Hopper. I think I think I'm thinking Timmy Taranto. But uh yeah, if we could get both of those guys that would uh very quickly as you said put us back in the mix for going deep. So that's going to be one to watch. But um while we're at it I would like um I like Paddy Cripps, I'd like Bontempelli. <laughs> I'm trying to think of my other favorite players. They're probably my two favorite non-Swans players. I'll take any either of them, both would be better. So okay, obviously you know there's other there's other 195 centimeter, 95 kilo players out there. They're not all midfielders. Well, I, what I'm trying to say is that Paddy Cripps is a fantastic player, but are we missing a midfielder of that size, Steve? A very tall mid. This is what I spoke about last year. I thought we were going to go a tall mid, but we ended up going Sheldrick, who's basically Parker's, Parker, well you know even Papley's size, um, and they're getting him as that inside inside bull. But I mean. 180 centimeters versus 195. I mean, Cripps is a second is a, a pinch 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 hitting ruck. 
like, I mean, are we not? Are we going for the right player? I mean, even Toronto and Hopper, they're more of that mill size, 188, 187. Do you, what do you think about like gigantic midfielders, 195 centimeter midfielders? Oh, if you can get your hands on one, then then they're great. But there's not that many of them, so it's it's a matter of being lucky enough to get one at the right time. Um, I think Charlie I, Constable. Charlie Constable was one we really, I think, should have had a look at. He's um he's up at Gold Coast there now, and obviously couldn't get a game in at, at the Cats, but was killing it at VFL level. I don't know. Uh, he's he was a tall mid. Uh, anyway, anyway. Um, all right, umpires, inconsistent calls. Let's finish with that, and then we'll get on with uh, looking ahead. So I won't spend too much time on it, but. We did touch on it earlier, Steve. Have you got anything to add? Oh, I was just a bit frustrating, really, wasn't it? I mean, there was there was a couple of particularly odd ones, and and it's not a good thing when um, when neutral fans after a game are talking about it, the umpiring, because fans are going to complain about the umpires often, even when they win. But when someone who's got no vested interest in either Carlton Football Club or the Swans is scratching their head afterwards, thinking what was going on, then I think there's it's not good for football, really, and a lot of it comes down to um to how difficult the game is to umpire and play, but also a lot of tweaking and confusion with interpretation of rules that comes from the AFL. I'd hate mm. to be an umpire in the AFL right now. I really would. Um, mm. I'm lucky in Europe when we when we we play more simplified rules, so a lot of these interpretations of rules we just don't use in local competition here um, because it's too confusing. And so then our players watch the AFL on the weekend and they go, "Oh, why is that a free kick?" Well. It is in that version of football, but we don't do that. So it's all because <laughs> yeah, it'd be too confusing for the umpires and the players. So. You could almost say, yeah, we don't know why that was a free kick. Oh, it's, I tell them all the time. I'm like, no idea. <laughs> Absolutely no idea. It looked pretty yeah. bad. That's the one they love. The, for some reason, the Finns and that, like in, in Europe, European players, they love the response to a free kick. Why was that a free? Like, say, for a head high or a, like, whatever. Oh, yeah, it just looked pretty bad. <laughs> and that's our justification for the free kick. It looked bad. Yeah, <laughs> it looked yeah. bad. <laughs> I mean, in that in that game, we've spoken about that uh, Lions and Hawks game, the last game of the round. There were some absolute howlers in that as well. Um, you know, that one against Neil. Um, I don't know. It was a free kick. It wasn't 50, but it was just like th- that kind of pushing and shoving. You see, it wasn't a football act, granted, but I don't think the AFL have come out and said, you know, no football act accepted. This year, their big thing is dissent, right? Or stand, carry on from last year, stand the mark and, and dissent. But, like, it's just, yeah, as you said, it's up to the individual interpretation. Um, well, this is particularly for dissent of, of the umpire and, yeah, what their mood is on the day, where they're at in their career. There's so many different variables and it just, uh, yeah, it just makes it frustrating. Like, the, you know, I, I mentioned this last year when we started the podcast. I'm a, I was a rusted on rugby union fan because um, I played that, because basically my, my body said there's no other sport you're, you're good for. Um, <laughs> but ov- obviously always supported the Swans, because um, we're both born 82 when the Swans started in Sydney. But yeah, I, don't, I think it's never been more difficult to follow the game in terms of the way that the game plays out. This is a game that was known for its simplicity, comparatively, against Rugby Union, right? Rugby Union's got a law book. It's like you know, a couple of hundred pages long. But I mean, you look at the AFL one now and it, it's, it's getting thicker and thicker. It's just, it's getting terse and, and unnecessarily confusing, I think. So how, how do you strip it back? How do you make it more simple? I mean, this is a conversation, this is a big conversation. I don't expect you to answer it in a minute, but where do you start, steve 
I would start again, like at the end of the year, for a start, stop messing about and just, just go with what is happening now. Because if you try and change this stuff during a season, people just get more mixed up. But at the end of the year, you know, all of these people in AFL house that are responsible for this, sit down, wipe the entire slate clean and then say, okay, what are the key rules that are essential to our game of football? And then how can we make it so that we play the game within these rules? Throw out all the nonsense that they've got so far. And that'll be one part of it. And then the second part with professional umpires, look at top leagues around the world, like top professionals. And the AFL ranks pretty high. I think it ranks in the in like 15 to 20 or so in terms of most commercially successful sporting leagues worldwide. But you look at all the other ones that are in that top tier, they all pay their, their officials full-time salaries. Mm. Mm. Um, and this for me is such a no-brainer. But there seems to be massive resistance to it, both within the AFL and also from what I've sort of heard bits and pieces within a lot of the umpiring community also because they, they don't want to go from being, you know, quite well-paid full-time professionals to part-time umpires to then being moderately paid full-time umpires. So you'd have to get a totally new class of of umpire that is willing to be a full-time umpire but for less money than someone is currently getting doing, say, a corporate job plus umpiring on the weekends. So, yeah, simplify the whole thing. It's It's not a complicated sport. At least it doesn't have to be. Uh- how much would you want to get in a salary to become a professional umpire if you're looking ahead and you're looking at your career options? I mean, if I were an 18-year-old and they said, you could earn a hundred grand being an umpire, I'd probably do it, Steve-O. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty good as an 18... I mean, that's, that's yeah, as good it's, as it's a, very a good rookie-listed in- 18-year-old in the yeah. AFL. And you can do that till you're 45 years old, like a lot of trades where, where after a certain period, your body starts to pack up. You can do that yeah. for 25 years, 30 years as a, as a professional umpire. And let's say there's, there's going to be KPIs and, and you know, like your increases over the years and like it's going to be linked to, you know, games umpired and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know. I think it's definitely there. There's definitely the money for it. I just think that, yeah, if, you go, if, if the problem is that there's the current umpires are all like, you know, mid-tier C, like uh, managing, you know, their ex- executive guys who do a bit of footy on the weekend, then obviously that, that trend has got to like be, you know, pushed out. And then you just get this upcoming from the grassroots going, Oh, there's a, that's a career choice. I, I could do this for 20 years and earn really good cash and buy a house. And yeah, you know, I, I don't think it would be impossible. It obviously take a little bit to get, get the wave going, but I don't know. I'm yeah. with you, Steve-O. So yeah. we got two things happening on the side. We don't. We probably won't haven't admitted this, but we've got a larger proposal a pros, proposal about what the AFL should look like in general, involving <laughs> teams and relocation, and then this new one, which is the rules that's come up uh, on air. So uh, uh, I just we- wipe the slate clean and start again. Man. Like uh, if if you can't explain a rule to people who are learning the game in Europe or kids who are learning to play footy when they're eight years old. If you can't explain the rules to them, then maybe you shouldn't be trying to have them at the at the other levels of football. Fair, fair call, mate. And I think that's a good good place to stop that conversation because we could definitely spiral here. I think, but <laughs> looking ahead, mate, let's very quickly look ahead. Um, where do we where do we stand? What do we need? Oh, so the number we're going to say it: thirteen wins for the finals. That's the number that gets you into the finals. So where are we sitting? Usually, yeah, that's. That's guaranteed. Some years, last year, Essendon got in with 11, um, but that's not typical. Normally, it's it's either 12 and strong percentage or 13 to get you in. So let's say we need seven more from the last 12. We've got to pull them from somewhere. We just dropped one of those 50-50 games. 
So that's one more to make up. And yep. then we got next week, Richmond, another 50-50 game. Week after that, Melbourne probably lose. Then it's Dubai, then it's Port, 50-50. St Kilda, probably 50-50. It's a tough month. And like, I was thinking um, before the Blues game that, you know, if we could win two of the next five of those games you just said, then that run home might be okay. But then we were looking at the run home before, and it's probably not going to be as easy as I first thought. We've got Essendon away, the Bulldogs at home, Frio away, Adelaide at home, and we're getting our booze ready for Jordan Dawson. Um, GWS at home, North away, Collingwood home, St Kilda away. So obviously there's a couple of bottom four teams in there, but you know they could pick up by then and nothing's granted. So it really is so important that we get at least one win in the next four games. Yeah, so let's say those four you said. Essendon, Adelaide, Giants, North, we win all four of them. We still need to find three more wins out of the other games. That means that out of Richmond, Melbourne, Port, St Kilda, Bulldogs, Fremantle, Collingwood, St Kilda, need to win three of them. It's um, it's tough. Mm. It's going to be very tough, I think. Mm. Um, and I think we'll we'll probably know how we're really, you know, obviously I think the Blues game is that first, that real first eye-opener, um, you know, well, I, I think the Suns' loss was the first was the the first eye opener. I think because you know to lose against the Lions, you know you can hold your head up, but then if you're losing against the Suns on your home deck, you go, oh, hang on, maybe we're not actually a, a you know in the top top four at least. But then you know to lose to the Blues the way we did, we came close, came home, couldn't get the job done. Um, yeah, I don't know. The confidence is waning, isn't it? <laughs> a little bit, but uh, and six of the next seven was looking at this. Up until the Fremantle game. So six of the next seven up until round 18, which is Fremantle, are all sort of 50-50 games or worse. I mean, one of them is Melbourne. So, Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, but good news. You told me earlier you and your, your brother will be in, well, all, all going well in country and potentially available for some, uh, some live Aussie rules if the AFL could just release some firm dates. It would be nice, yeah, wouldn't it, trouble. Yeah, <laughs> if they could tell us when they're going to play these matches. Um, yeah, both me and my brother. My brother lives in Canada and I'm living in Finland and neither of us have been to any footy for quite a while. We haven't been in Australia for quite a while. I mean, with all of the border closures and stuff, it's it's two and a half plus years for both of us. So we haven't been to any footy for ages. So we're hoping to get to the Crows game. We just got the date last week for the Crows game. So we're, we're planning to get to that one at the SCG. But we still don't have the dates for the Giants and North Melbourne the week after. And it would be very nice to be able to plan around those with with the dates in hand. My um my, my poor sister has all these activities that she wants to organise and she's waiting for the football fixtures very patiently. <laughs> uh, as is the way, as is the way in sporting uh, So why can't or they maybe... just let them out earlier? Just Why can't you tell us the whole season's dates at the start of the season like, you know, other sporting leagues around the world do? Well, I made the point to you off air that I wonder if they're just milking this whole coronavirus thing and really it just suits them better to have this flexible um, schedule where they can like put the blockbuster matches in, in, the, in the time slot, in the, the what are they called? The, um, the primetime slots, right? And much like probably the Swans and Carlton were and, and maybe like we've got another Friday night where against the Tigers at the SCG coming up this week um, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. Um, so yeah, maybe that's why they're doing it. I don't, it's super annoying because I would rather just have it all done. Mm. And then, you know, now that we're traveling again, the domestic travel is happening, uh, international travels happening as well. It'd be way easier to plan, wouldn't it? 
Oh, for everything, like every, everything in life, you know, trying to organize just activities and stuff to know when the schedule's on. I mean, they're, they're wondering why people aren't turning up to games. Maybe it's because it's hard to plan when you don't know until five weeks before. Well, that and this descent rule is probably... Yeah, that and some arm-waving by the occasional player is, oh, is, is goodness. crushing the AFL. Um, Ridiculous, isn't it? It's nuts. Well, well hopefully, uh, yeah, we can... Uh, Get you and and Matt over and uh, have a beer in the O'Re- in the O'Reilly with the rabble and and I want you if you're sitting nearby I want you to say at least once a quarter Jordan you are not awesome or Jordan Dawson That's Jordan uh, Dawson you are not awesome anyway not his fault I guess yeah if, if he Mate, kicks a goal to ice the game I'll be far less sympathetic towards him I think well I think if he just kicks any ball at any point I'll be dirty <laughs> anyway all right mate let's do a quick preview um against the tigers so richmond are sitting eighth on six and four hundred and twenty percent same as us we are seventh on with six wins four losses same percentage 120 their six wins have been gws western bulldogs western uh, west coast eagles collingwood hawthorne and estenden their four losses have been carlton st kilda adelaide and melbourne so <laughs> Hmm. I don't know really what to make of that. From their last five, their four wins, one loss. That one loss was against Melbourne. Um, so they're on a streak. They're, um, I think, a three or four game winning streak. Um, I don't know, mate. We're, uh, we've won two from our last five against them. Most recent was uh, that massive game um, at the MCG last year. And I think you might even talk about that in a moment. What do you think, mate? What do you What are your thoughts on this? Um, obviously, um, you mentioned earlier Tom Lynch is out, um, Kane Lambert is out, um, but uh, they're coming into some form, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're reprising the dynasty, mate. Oh, they're certainly playing with a bit of energy, and and I think that if the Swans don't give four good quarters, they're probably not going in the game. Um, they they really can't afford to to keep doing this. Richmond's a good team. They were, they won the premiership like two years ago. Um, mm. They haven't dropped off that dramatically. Most of their side is still fairly much there, like that core. Um, they had a bad year last year and, you know, they're bouncing back. And mm. I I think I'm very close to tipping Richmond. Mm. Yeah. It's going to be, I mean, look, I've all, all confidence is out the window now. Yeah. It's been st- steadily dropping since the Gold Coast loss. Um, obviously, it was good to, on paper, that big win against the Bombers felt good. But when you look at how the Bombers are running and, and what they dished up in that game, really sort of left more questions than anything. Why didn't we beat them by more, you know, and all that sort of stuff. But, um, and then the Blues game, obviously, um, didn't do ourselves any favours there. Like, as you said, didn't play four quarters. Is it is it that hard to play four quarters? I mean, you played heaps of footy. Um, I played one game with you, twisted my ankle, played half a game of AFL nines, did my hammy. Um, is it as hard to play four quarters as, as everyone makes out? I think it is because it's like it's mental. Because if it was just about yeah. physical ability and football ability, then, you know, the best team would win all the time. So it's about... Yeah, the like the energy and the mental side of the game, and especially AFL level. I mean, I've never played at that high level, um, so I can only imagine. But to to stay mentally on, to be able to win thirty minutes, thirty minutes, thirty minutes, and another thirty minutes, it, it's tough. I think. Hmm. Yeah, so it's a mental thing. All right. Yeah, most of sport is oh. mental. Like seriously, it's it's all it's all mental. 
Um, yeah. And it is a long game. It yeah, is a long any, game. any sport. Yeah, like you said, it's long, so there's ebbs and flows always. Mm. Um, I think that was one of the points, uh, going back to the review part of the podcast, but, yeah, Horse said, you know, we didn't um, stem the flow quickly enough, you know, so like almost responding, uh, n- uh, like acknowledging that you're on the back foot within a quarter, but then having the presence of mind to go, okay, this is what we need to do to stop that and just sort of, um, you know, catch our breath. And obviously didn't do any of that in that second quarter. But um, we better move on to the one last thing, mate. One last thing, Tigers at the SAG, early thoughts. I think you mentioned um, you're tipping the Tigers. I am, but, but you got I, a best, yeah. Sorry? Yeah, not, you got a best-worst memory against Richmond? Uh, and I, will, I feel bad tipping the Tigers, but I am tipping the Tigers. Um, uh, I remember a whole bunch of games in like the 2000s where – there was heaps of like one point margins and six, six point margins and stuff against the Tigers. So there was some good memories in there, even though I can't isolate them. We haven't had much of a rivalry with Richmond really, have we? Mm-hmm. No, not really. Um, I think you were saying, um, yeah, look, I don't know. Like, um, yeah, look, our periods like, of dominance haven't really overlapped because their period of dominance, mm. we, we weren't really quite up there. We were sort of thereabouts and then dropping off. And in mm. our period of dominance, Richmond was a laughingstock, honestly. Like, mm. so it hasn't really been a side that's that's um, been the oh yeah, I want to beat the Tigers, but um, no, that's other, it. Nothing uh, good. Other than <laughs> other than probably wanting to knock off the pre- and I think you was going to say that the. The fact that that game last year, that that big win against the MCG, I think you were saying, you know, at that time we were a bottom four team and they were a, a reigning premier, so it was it meant a lot, right? At that time, last yeah, year. I think we forget this quickly because we're now seventh versus eighth. But yeah, a year ago when we played, we were a, a team that had been getting belted around, and the year before that, in twenty twenty, had been played in what Damien Hardwick thought was the worst game of football he'd ever being involved in when well was it was um i got the score written here there's they they beat us four goals 10 34 to three goals 8 26 and fair that was shorter quarters because it was that really heavily COVID affected year but that's terrible like that's so awful that's a combined total of what 60 points for a game of afl football and then we came out the year after and flogged them on their own own field so Sammy Wicks kicked three, got about 125 in fantasy that game. That was uh, maybe even peak Wicks, but hopefully he can get to that point again because he was um, just on fire that game. But, yeah, I think it was in the the pouring rain, that one, wasn't it, up in Brisbane? And it was just a really the, – the low-scoring game. I remember that. Yeah, it was just mm. – he was saying, oh, you know, Sydney with the defensive tactics. It's like, well, mate, you guys, you guys weren't much better. But, um, anyway, dimmer. No, what are you going to do? I think Horse said something like that after the game to him. He's like, mate, like – if, if you had the list of kids that I've got to play, what, what exactly would your tactics have been to not lose by 200 points? You know, like, come on. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Horse has always got a very good comeback with me. Uh, cool, calm, collected. Yeah. Words to the effect. Case. I'm not saying that's exactly what he said. I might have remembered wrong. But Yeah, no worries. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like this is um, recorded for all to hear, for you to, for us to check the uh, the quote there, but it's all good, mate. All right. Well, if you've got nothing else, Steve-O, I'd like to say thank you for hopping on. Um, it's been good doing the show with you. Um, it's bringing back fond memories from our, uh, our our venture into the podcasting world last year. Um, but yeah, um, let me know when you're free, mate. It'd be good to do a bit of a strategy session, maybe a contract a list session um, in the buy. Uh, I mean, you're out here um, soon, so 
let's catch up for a bit. Yeah, end of end of July. I'm in the summer, like the summer here, like northern summer, I'm much more around. Yeah, the challenge yep. with with so far this year has just been the time zone difference because recording now that everyone's back to work face to face, at least in Finland, everything's happening face to face again. And so trying to get free time in the middle of the afternoon when I'm should be working to record a podcast has been impossible. But today, luckily, I had a free afternoon, so we it worked out well. Perfect. Yeah, I um I recorded on the road from Perth last week because I was over there for work. So yeah, it's certainly going to be more and more challenging going forward. But anyway, appreciate it nonetheless, mate. And uh, I'm sure here. our listeners do too. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, uh, that brings us to the end of the episode. So on behalf of the Bevy, I'd like to say thank you very much to everyone for listening in. Keep an eye out for our team's reaction announcement on Thursday night on our socials and make sure to keep following us on Instagram and Facebook at a bevy of bloods for other updates, videos, and announcements until then up the bloods, and can you swanies?